Welcome back, everybody, to the FBC Kyle podcast. I'm here with Pastor Jeff English. He's the pastor here at FBC Kyle. Um, today, we're going to be going over some questions related to last Sunday's sermon. Do you want to go ahead and give a, a yeah, just, recap? Sure. Yeah, we were talking about how we're really on a mission field in this life, and we're not home yet. And so this can be a wearying, trying, difficult time. And it helps from time to time uh, to look home, to look upward. And remember, and Jesus really in John 14 uh, called us to, to look up and remember his presence. And, and not only his presence, but the place he's preparing and the promise of his return and the path to get there. So he reminded us of some really, really important things yep. to keep us encouraged along the way. And we need encouragement. Yeah, because if it, it's, uh, it's easy to forget, uh, at least for me, that heaven is actually a physical real place that we're going to be eventually um because right here seems so permanent and like final but this isn't where we're gonna end. no and i think that's a really good point jesse because uh we're in the middle of this so it seems very real to us yeah but the reality is heaven and earth are passing away uh you know they're wearing out Mm. and to think of it as the one thing that doesn't pass away are the things of god the word doesn't, right? Heaven doesn't. The, the things of eternity are real. You know, I, I, when we go on vacation, sometimes we'll stop at a motel. And uh, that's a real place, but it's not our home. Yeah. And it would be foolish of me to go into that motel room for one night and just go down to the furniture store and furnish it and, you know, yeah. stock yeah. the refrigerator th- for three months. It's just not where I'm going to spend, you know, the rest of my time. I'm going to be home. Yeah. So, but sometimes I think we think of this world as our home and we treat it like our home when God really wants us to travel light. We're just on our way home. Yeah. And it's so weird to think about that. You can't, you can't even grasp it. Like how insignificant our time here is, yeah, yeah. um, in, in terms of like eternity. Um, you can't, like you, you try thinking about it, but it doesn't make any sense. No, it, you just can't. You yeah. Can't. Yeah. Um, so we got a few questions here. Uh, related to heaven and, and what you discussed. Uh, so we'll go with number one. It says, will we have bodies in heaven? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think the Bible deals with that in a number of different ways. Um, the Bible says calls Jesus the first fruits among many brethren. That's what it calls him. In other words, Jesus died and rose again, the first fruits among many brethren. So we kind of take our cue from that, from Jesus' example. So I the way I relate to it is, did Jesus have a body after he was raised from the dead? Well, sure. His body was literally raised. There was nothing in that tomb. Yeah. You know, and so Jesus had a body. Remember, Thomas questioned Jesus about that. Jesus said, listen, feel my hands. Put your hand on my side. A real body. Jesus ate with the disciples after his resurrection more than once, twice at least. And so he was eating with them. He had a real body. Um, Jesus had a real body, and uh, we're going to have a real body too, just like Jesus, the first fruits among many brethren. Now, it was a real body, but it was a glorified body. Yeah, It was an improved edition. Uh, one time Jesus appealed, appeared to them in a room without even having to open the door. He just came through, <laughs> you know. So it was different, but yeah. it was a body. And you know, when I think of that, I can't help but think that Jesus still has a body. Hmm. Jesus is in heaven right now, and he still has that glorified body in heaven. He didn't leave it behind. And when we see Jesus, 
we're going to see a person with a glorified, a real body. And when he puts his arms around us and we look into his face, we're going to look into a face of a person with a real body. And we're going to have a real body like that in heaven. Yeah. Um, so sort of related, but also a little bit uh, not. Um, you know, there's, uh, as Jesus is being led to the cross, yeah. it talks about him being... Um, barely recognizable yeah. as a human being yeah. um, after all the stuff that people did to him. Um, do you think, this is just a random question that popped mm-hmm. in my head. Do you think that's why Peter didn't recognize him when he was, uh, yeah. he, yeah, he was fishing, wasn't catching anything again. And then, uh, and then he, Jesus met him on the shore and told him to cast on the other side, like he had before. Um, do you think, is that, potentially why he didn't recognize him initially? at least partly i think because if you'd just seen someone in the condition of, that jesus was and then a very short time later see him someone perfectly whole and healthy and strong yeah it would not compute that this would be the same person yeah. so i think that's at least part of it yeah yeah i do and that's interesting too um how uh he has this new healed body and yet he still left the uh, the scars in yeah. his hands and the scars in his side um do you, uh what why would you why do you think that would be? as i think it's going to be an eternal testimony uh, okay. someone yeah. once said um the only scars in heaven will be the scars on jesus hands oh wow and you know the idea is that's going to be this testimony that he was the lamb that was slain yeah. and i think we're going to remember that for all eternity and i think god wants us to yeah. yeah yeah that's cool all right. Um, will we remember this life when we are in heaven? You know, some of these I have, um, the Bible does give us indications about, and this is one of those. I think that we probably will. And there's a couple of reasons why. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, it talks about seeing that we are surrounded by so many, cl- uh, uh, by a cloud of witnesses. And so the idea there is a somebody in an amphitheater and there's a bunch of people around and, and watching. And right before that, in the 11th chapter, is the Hall of Faith. And he's going about all these people. So it seems to me like that cloud of witnesses is those that have gone before us. So there seems to be at least an indication that those who have gone before us are aware of what's going on on the earth. Oh, there's, and there's another one, too. When Jesus was at the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah were there, which was pretty cool. And so, um, but Moses and Elijah were talking about things that were happening in Jesus' ministry. So they were aware of it. Yeah. So they knew what was going on with the Lord on the earth, even though they were in heaven. So there does seem to be some indications, you know, that we will know. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. And then um, there's also an incident, although this is in the Old Testament, where um, Samuel, is it the prophet, is it Samuel? Who gets who, who? I think it was Saul raises like yeah. raises him through yeah. like some like evil witchcraft, and he and he rebukes him yeah. even, um, which is that I think that's kind of interesting how that how that could come about through yeah. such evil means. But. Yeah, it's an aberration, you know. It's just it's kind of the exception that proves the rule, you know that. Yeah, there is an afterlife, and Samuel kind of, like you say, rebukes him. Why are you disturbing me? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there, there. I think you know we are aware, and you know when I think about that, there's kind of a question in my mind that usually follows that one. 
how could people in heaven be aware of what's going on the earth and not be upset by it, mm. yeah. not let it destroy their peace? Because they see all this stuff. Yeah. But then I think, well, God is aware in heaven, and yet he's at perfect peace. Yeah. So God knows exactly what's going on in every person's heart, in every town, in every nation, and yet his peace is not disturbed. And I think a part of that may be that we'll be able to see things from God's perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as he sees it. Yeah. Yeah, and not, and not yeah, because it's hard to, to see all this stuff from our perspective and really grasp how it's all going to come together. But it, Yeah, it is. That's got to be nice to be able to see that. From oh, I know. I mean, he sees the end from the beginning, so he now knows how it's all going to turn out. And it's not that he doesn't sympathize with us and empathize with us. He does. But the thing is, he also knows it, it doesn't disturb his peace and his, his personal joy. Yeah. And uh, I think that perspective... He sees everything behind what's going on. Yeah. And he sees his purposes and how they're working out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Um, will we still be married in heaven? Yeah. I, there's a, um, I would say a yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we'll be married in, in the way we think of marriage in heaven. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus was once asked a question about marriage to try to trip him up. And he says, no, we're going to be as the angels in heaven, neither married nor given in marriage. So I think the institution of marriage, where you have a marriage license and, and that, I don't think we'll be married in that sense in heaven. But I do believe that husbands and wives will know each other in heaven. They'll know they were husbands and wives of one another. But their relationship in heaven will be even closer than it was on the earth. Hmm. They're going to love each other more. They're going to know each other better. It's going to be a better relationship. Yeah. And I, it's going to be so wonderful that I don't think they're going to miss, you know, the idea of the institution of marriage. Yeah. So I don't think we'll be married in heaven in the way we think of it, but I think we're going to have something better. And I also think that the purpose of marriage will have been fulfilled. You know, and uh, Paul talks about the purpose of marriage being a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. But there's actually Revelation 19. There's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. There's actually, this is going to be fulfilled. And so you can see where the purpose is kind of fulfilled. Yeah. For it. Yeah. And like, um, oh, shoot, I had a thought. Um, like you're saying, like the, the whole the whole point of marriage is, has been completed at that point. Like, um, at that point you're in a, in a unobstructed, perfect relationship with Christ. And, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, tech, like that wouldn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. Um, which is a hard, which I know, um, like being relatively newly married, that's like a hard thing to think about of, of not being with your spouse. Um, but, I guess, yeah, like you're saying, yeah. like it's not it's not going to be this sad thing. Um, it'll be yeah. more like, oh, I get to love you like Christ yeah. loves you even more now. Even more. Yeah. It's going to be better. It's like I love vanilla ice cream, but when I get a banana split, I don't miss that bowl of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> and so it's going to be like the banana split. It's going to be so much better. Yeah. It's going to be marriage plus. Yeah. Plus, plus, plus. Yeah. And uh, I think sometimes people think, well, maybe on earth I didn't have a very good marriage or maybe I've been divorced or maybe divorced even multiple times. Is that going to be a problem? No. I mean, all those things are going to be resolved in heaven. Hmm. All the hurts are going to be taken away. 
all the the mistrust or the jealousy or the the things that made marriage so hard for some people on the earth are going to be gone and they're going to be able to love each other perfectly in heaven yeah so it's going to be they'll have a perfect relationship with that person you know that maybe they didn't have one on yeah. earth yeah, yeah that's cool um so this is an interesting one. It says, will heaven be a boring place? Uh, no. <laughs> but, you know, when I was a kid, I thought it was. You know, I thought. Uh, yeah, same. I really did. Yeah. Because <laughs> I would try to stay asleep in church. You know, I'd sometimes my folks would let me lay down in the pew even. Yeah. Like on a Sunday night service. <laughs> but I would think, man, if heaven's like this, this is going to be rough. Yeah. I you know? Yeah. I always just th- used to think that heaven was going to be church just all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but I don't think it will be at all. And. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. I think one of the most exciting things about heaven is that we will never in eternity come to the end of growing to know and love God. Mm. And because every one of God's attributes is infinite. So as much as we know and love God now, we're going to know and love him better. And the next day of heaven, we're going to know and love him better. And the next day, in a billion years, and a billion years after that, we're going to be so in love with the Lord. We're going to know him so well over those billions of eons as they pass that it's just going to be a continual rejoicing in God. And I think that's going to be one of the most exciting things really about heaven. And, uh, well, there's going to be other things in heaven, too. I mean, we're going to ultimately have a new heavens and a new earth. We're going to be living in a place as it was originally tended by God, intended by God to be. That's exciting to yeah, me. Yeah. Another thing is relationships in heaven. We're going to have relationships with um, so many people in heaven. We're not going to be alone. We're not going to be sitting in a room lonely. I mean, it's relationships. And then we're also going to be busy. We're going to be active. I I used to watch cartoons when I was a child, and the cat would get hit by an anvil <laughs> and then fly up and with wings and play a harp on a cloud. You know, that, yeah. was, that was like, is that what we're going to do? And it's not going to be that way at all. We're going to be really, really active in heaven. And Revelations, it talked about us serving the Lord continually. We're going to be serving God in heaven in, in a lot of different ways. Um, we're going to rule and reign with Christ, and I believe that's to be taken literally. Jesus told a parable one time, and he talked about giving uh, this money to some guys. And one guy was given 10 minas, about 100 days wages was minus a mina. And he got 10 more, and he said, you've been faithful a little. little. I'm going to put you over 10 cities. Mm-hmm. Another guy got five. Oh, you've been faithful. I'm going to put you over five cities. So there's an indication that some of the things that we're doing here in, the li- in this life and our faithfulness in doing them is really going to determine some things in heaven about what we'll be doing in heaven. But we'll be busy. Sometimes we think work is a, is a burden. We want to be rid of it. Hmm. Um, but Adam, Adam was working before he sinned. You know, it, it, was, a, it was a great blessing. God, Jesus said, um, my father is working ent- until now, and I'm working too. God is working. Jesus is working. He's holding the universe together. Yeah. You know, work is a part of what we're doing. But the thing is, the burden that sin caused is going to be gone. Yeah. And it's just going to be worship. Our work is going to be part of our worship. But we're going to be busy, and it's going to be exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, to an extent, we can only really speculate as to what that looks like. But what do you think that, like, <laughs> an average 
heaven job looks like exactly? Yeah, I, you know, that's a tough one. I don't really know. I don't think it's going to be a nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it will be responsibilities that we have in heaven and carrying out those responsibilities and doing it from our heart as unto the Lord. I really believe it's going to be part of our worship. But as far as, you know, the the day-to-day kind of thing, whether some are going to be bookkeepers or whatever, I don't, yeah. I don't really know. That's so interesting. Yeah, and you can't really know because, um, I, I mean, it's not in the Bible, so it must yeah. not be too important for us at this moment. So Yeah, yeah. All uh, right. Uh, can people who are in heaven right now see what's going on on earth? And you kind of answered yeah, that kinda, a little bit ago. Yeah, and I think, yes, and I, I think they can. Uh, again, the second part of the question is, um, does it cause them sorrow, uh, remembering things? Does it cause them grief? And I think God is going to heal all that and restore it. And um, he's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes. So I do think we'll remember. Uh, the Bible talks about the judgment seat of Christ. So we know there again, things are going to be brought up that we did on the earth for the purpose of giving Christian rewards. Hmm. So it's not like forget about that life. No, celebrate. Celebrate what you did for Jesus on the earth, right? So in that sense, too, we're going to be remembering the things we've done. Yeah. So and uh, on the other side of that, I know um, like the Bible talks about um, giving an account of your actions here on earth. Um, and I, I, I guess I've never had a full understanding of this because um, it talks about um, for the loss, like for the purpose of showing that the Lord is justified and condemning them. Oh. Um, but... Do we like obviously we're we've been justified through yeah, uh, through yeah. Christ, so is there a process that we have to go through mm-hmm. as saved um, Christians to um, go through that and recognize all the wrong that we've done yeah. um, in front of God? Like, is that something yeah. that we have to go through? And really, there's kind of there's two different judgments that the Bible talks about: one for believers and one for unbelievers. The one for unbelievers is the the great white throne judgment, and everybody who dies immediately goes to hell. Uh, but the, one day their bodies are going to be raised, according to the Book of Revelation, and they're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and they're going to open a book, and their names are not going to be in the book, the Lamb's Book of Life. They've never been saved. Then these other books are going to be open that shows all the deeds that they've done to show that God is justified in condemning them to hell. That's a terrible thing because at that point it will be eternally too late. Mm. And so those people will all be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. The good news is those who've received Christ are not in that judgment, and they never will be. The only judgment that believers will have to go through is something that's called the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema judgment. And it's for the purpose of giving rewards. And so um, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we never have to worry about condemnation. So the only thing that we might we might consider it suffering, I wouldn't call it suffering, but is the loss of reward. Hmm. not receiving rewards. But the picture of that is taken from the Bema seat, which was in the, the Roman sports arenas of, of that day. Oh. And there would be a Bema seat, and that's where the governor or the local official would sit up in the seats. And when somebody won, they won, they would take them up to the Bema seat. 
and he'd put this perishable crown, a laurel wreath or whatever, Mm -hmm. on their head. And that was a picture of the judgment seat of Christ. And that's this picture. It's not for the purpose of condemnation. It's for the purpose of God's people standing before the Lord to receive rewards. And, um, you know, that. so that's the only judgment we'll ever have to go through. And it's not because we've been so good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just because Jesus has already dealt with all those other things yeah. on the cross. Yeah. And so now we get to enjoy, um, you know, that that time with the Lord and not worry about condemnation. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, as a, as like a younger kid, anytime I, I knew I had done something wrong, I would always be like, ah, now I'm going to have to explain that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> um, but sort of, I guess, tying into that whole judgment thing. Um, the next question is what will hell be like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a sobering subject that we don't talk enough about. Um, you know, I was thinking about this this week. Most people think that almost everybody goes to heaven. Hmm. If you were to ask most people, I would think that most people, think, oh, yeah, except for maybe a really evil, maybe Adolf Hitler is not going to be there, you know, or, or, you know, Manson or somebody. But the Bible says most people are not going to heaven. Uh, that's a heartbreaking thought. Um, Jesus talks about the way that leads to eternal life. And he says, few there be that find it, relatively few. Um, and heaven is a terrible place. I mean, it, if you can... Uh, what I say? Uh, heaven is terrible. No, hell is a terrible place. <laughs> heaven is an awesome place. But hell is a terrible place. If you think about it, it was created for the punishment of Satan and those that rebelled with him. You can yeah. think it's just a terrible place. And it's a place of conscience, You know, one of the things I think is in Mark 9, he talks about their worm does not die. And the idea that I think in the culture of the time was talking about their conscience, the regret, the regrets of constantly thinking back on opportunities they may have had or or sins they may have done. And then the Bible talks about it as a place of real torment. Um, In the story of the rich man and Lazarus, a rich man was in, in hell. He was in and he says, I am uh, in torment in these flames. And he, you know, and I, some people think, well, is that talking about a literal fire or a figurative fire? Well, the result's the same. It's talking about a, a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It is going to be absolutely terrible. It's going to be a place of darkness. The Bible talks that they, about people being cast into outer darkness it's frightening. I'm, I took our kids one time to see some natural caverns. And one of the things they did when we were down in the bottom there was they turned all the lights out. Mm. And I probably have very rarely in my life actually seen total darkness. It was frightening. Yeah. You could have someone three inches from you and you wouldn't know they were there. Wow. It was total isolation. So this idea outer darkness, it's just a terrible, terrible place. And one of the worst things about it is it never ends. It's eternal. A million years, you're never closer to the end of it than you were when you were, when it began. A billion years, you're not any closer to any kind of hope or release. And uh, it's horrible. You know, and God doesn't... God's not willing that any should perish. Yeah. It's not God's will. 
Um, it's a terrible place. And man's only hope of not going there is Jesus. And the reality is this, is all a person has to do to go to hell is nothing. The Bible says that they are condemned already because they have not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So because of our sin nature and because of our sin, we're already condemned. Every person is already condemned. That's why they call sharing the gospel salvation. It's a rescue mission. Yeah. And, you know, I've had people ask me, what if they've never heard? Well, the Bible says that he has the son has life and he who does not have the son does not have life. They need to hear. That's our job. Yeah. So it's very, very sobering to think about that. Yeah. Well, and it's convicting too, because like, in like intellectually, we all know this as Christians. We all mm-hmm. know that that's what's going to happen to people. But you very, or at least I very rarely think about that reality of like of how permanent and yeah. um, final that is. Yeah. Because um, I feel like if we all viewed it that way, viewed it as a real place that people will be in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a lot more motivating to reach out to people. I think especially, so. Especially, like, as you were talking about that, some very specific people came into my mind about who, mm-hmm. at this point, are going there. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's hard to think about because yeah. these are people you care about that just don't know the Lord. Um, and... Uh, it's convicting about um, not having not reached out to those people or um, not knowing how, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. uh, it's hard. I think, you know, Jesus knowing that he, Jesus created hell uh, for a place of punishment for Satan and, and his, those that, demons that follow him. But he knew it. And he knew what was in store for people if they didn't come to faith. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He lived with the reality of that, you know, and it's just one reason why. But I think it was one of the reasons. It's uh, We need to consider, um, man, to think that my reticence to share with somebody might be one of the reasons why they're, they don't accept Christ and they're, and they're going to hell. It's a terrible thought. It's a terrible thought. Yeah, yeah. And um, and to, I was thinking about that too. Um, the you like you were saying earlier, hell was created for mm. Satan and his angels. To think about that, that was created for somebody completely unlike us as human beings. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't know if you could call it like a a level above us as far as like. Mm. Uh, beings go, but the thing about us getting put in a place that was created for somebody more powerful than we are mm-hmm. and to be like designed to torment them. Yeah. Um, and to think of us going into that situation is yeah. uh, a, a, even more powerless. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's frightening. I yeah. mean, I've had people tell me over the years, um, well, I'll just I'll go to hell so I can party with my friends. <laughs> I've had people tell me that. Let me tell you, when I was um, pastoring near the Houston area at one time, 
occasionally I'd go to the burn center, uh, the Shriners Burn Center, and there'd be kids in there. And I went to see one child in there, and there's these units, they're called debreeding units. I were there literally, it's gross, but take dead skin off. Mm-hmm. And they have these brushes, they, they take bandages that have been on, they have to peel them off. There is nobody in that unit that's thinking about partying. Yeah. They're thinking about getting through the next five seconds. And, um, you know, God does not want anybody to experience that. That's why he sent his son. That's why he sent Jesus. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's a, that's sobering. Yeah, it really is. Um, really is. Um, and I feel like it's a, like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to dwell on mm-hmm. hell and all, its reality and all that, but it is it is good to be reminded of it occasionally, just yeah. to um, kind of give you a a push to reach out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. All right. Uh, will we, oh, you've kind of already also answered this one, but it says, will we, will we be working in heaven? Oh yeah, we will. And it's going to be, won't be burdensome. It'll be joyous. Our work will be our worship. Um, the good news is we can experience part of that now. If we have that same perspective on work now, this is a blessing from God. I do it as unto the Lord. This is my service to Jesus. And so I'm going to work now as I work in heaven. Hmm. And, uh, you know, just knowing that that work is, is this gift and when it's done for the Lord, it's something of eternal significance. We can begin that now. Now, n- not as perfectly yeah. as in heaven, but yeah. They probably have better shoes. And- <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Uh, what will be the best part about heaven? You know, I thought about what Jesus thought was the best part about heaven. You know, I think about that sometimes. When Jesus talks to people about heaven, he's, he, the Bible speaks in terms of things we can relate to, walls and yeah. streets. Yeah, physical. Like. Physical yeah, things. We can relate to them. But when Jesus talked about heaven, usually he talked about his father. And he talked about the relationship that he had with the father. And you see him in John 17, he brings that subject up a number of times the glory that he had with the Father, his relationship with the Father. So when Jesus talked about heaven personally, it was this eternal relationship he had in heaven with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I think for us, we get to be a part of that relationship because of what Jesus did. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be God. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be being with Jesus in heaven and being a part of that eternal relationship. And I don't think we're in heaven. We're gonna, what's going to awe us the most in heaven is Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to be totally in awe of our Lord in heaven when we fully understand who he is and what he's done for us. And so we get to enter into that beautiful relationship. And to me, that's, heaven is not a place so much as it is a relationship with a person. Yeah. Yeah, and to think about that too, um, like as it is now, we kind of uh, have a. There's like a. There's a. I mean, there's an obvious separation between uh, us and 
God and, and Christ and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We have we have the Holy Spirit, and we He like communicates with us through that and whatnot. But it I feel like it's going to be a completely different yeah. thing to yeah, actually yeah. be there and yeah. with Him like in the flesh. Like that'll be. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think the closest thing that the Bible describes about uh, that encounter by is John on the island of Patmos. Mm. He literally got to see the glorified Jesus. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And so John's trying to describe this, and you can imagine him. How do I write that? You know, yeah. like, yeah. eyes were like a flame of fire. You know, yeah. he's, he's, yeah. he's, but you, <laughs> to give you an idea of just how overwhelming it was when he saw Jesus, he just fell. Yeah, he just fell yeah. at his feet as a dead man. I mean, he just fell before him. Yeah, and that's how glorious that that it was to see the Lord. And Jesus puts his right hand on him and says, "Don't be afraid." Mm. right and i am the first and the last and he comforts him yeah so i i just think that it's going to be that kind of experience you know it's just going to be filled with awe and wonder and great love you know i just it's gonna it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be life-changing yeah because you know the bible says we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and i believe that's a moment when we become like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that encounter, actually, um, where John sees all this, he, he never actually sees God, the father, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even, uh, this sidetrack, but even in, uh, in the old Testament, is it, was it Moses that, uh, wanted to see, see God mm-hmm. and, he said, "You can't, because you die, basically." Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, that's so. That's so interesting. That um, viewing God directly would just kill us as yeah. as human beings on this earth. That's so. That's that's interesting. It me. really is. And when you think about that, that inspired such fear, but also reverence in them. Yeah, you know that this the holiness of God, this idea of this holiness of God, which is unapproachable. He, he dwells in inapproachable light. You know, it's like nobody has seen God at any time. Yeah. So, but the idea was once sin is dealt with and once we're made like Christ, guess what? We live with him. Yeah. That's totally different yeah, thing. That's, so that's cool. a totally different thing. That's so cool. And, you know, it, it's just, in, and through Christ, we'll have this new relationship with God. And it'll be an intimate one. You know, at one point it talks about God giving us a name in heaven that only he and we know. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that really? Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. He knows us by name now, but in heaven, it's going to be intimate. Yeah. And intimate, not only with Christ, but with God the Father through Christ. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So actually, uh, no, it doesn't. There, there is no question for this. Um, do when we go to heaven, will we be able to see God directly? Yeah, I, I believe so. But one of the things, God is spirit. Now, when we talk about seeing God, I think there's a difference in perception there. You know, when Jesus is, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hmm. So Jesus is the perfect physical manifestation of God in flesh. But the Bible does, um, there again in the book of Revelation, John does talk about seeing one on the throne. He describes him as light. And it's not like, I don't think personally that God has a physical form other than the form of Jesus. He is God in flesh. Okay. But we are also going to be able to see the glory of God that who 
who is God, but God is spirit. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I'll have to think about that. That's it. <laughs> That'll take a bit. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, when Jesus says in verse 2 in my, uh, of John 14, um, in my father's house are many rooms, is he being literal? You know, it, that's, a really, that's a good question. I think in that day, the way they made houses kind of helps us out with this. Um, they would, I think it was called an insula. And that kind of a house, like in Capernaum, was a courtyard, and they'd build structure around this courtyard, and they would add to it. And so there was an open courtyard, and they'd just keep adding rooms. And for big families, they would just keep adding rooms. For like some would get married. Okay, bring them on. <laughs> you know? And so they would add. And um, they've done archaeological digs, and they think they know where Peter lived. Oh, which is a you know wow. which is really amazing Peter's yeah. house, and there's 15 rooms, and it could have accommodated over 100 people. Wow. Well, there's other houses they found that could accommodate over 150 people. So the idea is one house with many dwelling places in it. Yeah. So, but the idea of being with family, being in relation, I think has a lot to do with the way Jesus talks. He's he's using love language there. And, you know, we talked about this Sunday, but when um, a couple was betrothed, the son would add on to the father's house, right, mm-hmm. to the insula, and they could get his place ready. And then he'd put the carpets on the floor and the drapes on the window and get all the furniture exactly right. And then the father would come and say, okay, looks good to me. Go get your bride. And the bride was expected to be ready and waiting. She didn't know when, but then he would come. And he'd take her to this place he was preparing. And that's the love language that Jesus is using. Now, whether that's a little literal room in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in the Father's house, it may be, because that, that does kind of describe the New Jerusalem. Yeah. So I'm not really sure about whether that's talking about the New Jerusalem there or not. And the New Jerusalem's 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles tall. It's huge. And that's just one city. Yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah. I, for some reason, I, uh, oh, when I, when I was younger, I got, I got in my head that that was ha- how big heaven was. And that's like, and I, yeah. and I, in my head, I was like, that's not very big for heaven. But yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Um, that's, that's, but that's like a, for just one city, that's a massive. It's massive. Amount. It's yeah. from the Canadian border to the Gulf of Mexico, from Colorado to the Atlantic Ocean. It's yeah. huge. But yeah, there's going to be a whole new heavens and a new earth. It's just part of, of this big story. This yeah. glorious place. Yeah, that's so cool. All right, we got one more question. Uh, it says, why are Christians hesitant to share the gospel when we have experienced the grace and freedom of Christ and when we have some idea of what eternity is going to be like? Yeah. You know, we shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the idea of if, because we're more afraid of the things in the world than we are of people going to hell. Yeah. And, and even of, of God. And, you know, the idea is the only way we can live an obedient life if, is if we're about that business of going and making disciples of all nations. Right? That's what God told us to do. Yeah. And then when I think of myself and it's like, I'm not, well, I would never do that. I could never go tell. We're actually more afraid of our own possible persecution yeah. 
then we are um, bringing disgrace on the name of God or disobeying him. So we just need to fear God more than we fear the reaction of people. And also fear the fact that, fear may be the wrong word there, but really acknowledge the, the terrible tragedy of what happens to people without Christ. Yeah. Um, and this is it. You know, a lot of people want to think that people get a second chance or there's reincarnation and you just keep going around till you get it right. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says it is appointed for a man once to die and after that, the judgment. So we get one chance at this. Yeah. And so I, I think if we, you know, we just yeah. need to really, really take God's word to heart. And he's placed this in our hands. And, and we don't do it in and of ourselves. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, he does all the work. It's the spirit and the and the word, but he's done everything that we need to be a part of this glorious process, except give us the will to do it, and and then we have to be a willing yeah. vessel, yeah, know, to be used. Which that like, that's kind of a re- a revealing thing is, uh, like, well, like it's it's easy to like get fired up on a Sunday and think, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to talk to this many people this week about it. And then, yeah. uh, then it, when it really comes down to it, you just, you just don't because yeah. it either it's like inconvenient or, yeah. um, makes you uncomfortable, yeah. which is such a, um, shallow and like, and like thinking about the consequence, the potential consequence of you yeah. not, reaching out to someone and any reason that you could give for not doing it is, uh, just kind of falls apart. Yeah. And I think when we try to do it, like we, if we hear an inspiring sermon, you know, or it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. And two weeks later, you know, so self-discipline doesn't change us in that way. The only thing that'll give us this heart, the same heart that Jesus had uh, toward the loss is spending time with Jesus. And people who have a, spend a lot of times with the Lord, they become like him in this respect. So it's not just about, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to check this many out. No, it's not that. It's about, I'm just going to spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's going to give me his heart uh, for the lost. So it's more uh, in relation to spending time with Jesus than it is just disciplining ourselves. In fact, unless we're led by the Holy Spirit in the process, we're going to mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we have to be with the Lord. We have to have his heart. We have to be led by his spirit and, and he'll lead us to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is all the questions. Yeah. I feel like that was a really interesting and convicting discussion, at least for me. Um, yeah, I love to. Yeah. I love to talk about it. You know, there was one guy who said the Christians that have done the most for God in this world have been the ones that thought the most about heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, when you think about it. having, having, having the right focus as I, as it keeps coming up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so that is it for today. Um, if you would like to have your questions answered about next week's sermon, um, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can comment your question below the sermon. I'd recommend doing it, during the live stream so that you remember. Otherwise, we end up not having as many questions, and that's not as fun. Um, So, yeah, on YouTube or Facebook, you can comment directly below the live stream. Uh, If you're watching it on the website, you can send in your questions to info at fbckyle.com. 
Um, but yeah, that's it. Would you like to pray us out? Yeah, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that through Christ you've made a way for us to be in heaven with you forever. And we didn't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We aren't worthy of it. But by your grace, you've made a way through your son and his death on the cross and his resurrection for us to be made acceptable in your sight by our faith. And we thank you for that. Lord, we just praise you for the heavenly home that awaits us. Lord, we can't wait to get there. But Father, we are satisfied with your presence and completing your work in this world. Be with us, Lord. Help us to help others to believe as we believe. Help us to be living examples in word and in deed. Lord, that others might know you as Savior as we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.